Very exciting. This is Olivia. For those who haven't met her and seen her crawl around or carried her at the service. So come and say, see her afterwards and ask her what she bought me. Uh, she may not reply. Uh, but a special happy Father's Day. Uh, I can see some fathers in the audience here. Um, and I think Father's Day, I think, you know, it's a moment to really appreciate our fathers. But it's also good to acknowledge that there's some fathers who aren't actually, don't, don't actually have physical children. Uh, there's some fathers of our church that have been and gone, being 60 years. We've got fathers of our church that have been here the whole time, that have been here and that are serving us. There's, there's fathers who, who serve as mentors and, and people who give their time and they actually lead children and they are fathers and they're worth appreciate as well today. So can we give them a round of applause because they're in here as well. And, um, and it's a happy Father's Day to them as well. And uh, I'm going to pass her back down here. My wife's going to grab her because she's like 12 kilos now. And uh, I won't be able to carry around for half an hour. So, And we see that in the Bible as well. We see fathers who, who serve as fathers. First seen in Abraham, who's considered to be the father of the nation of Israel in which Jesus, our Savior, came from, and he serves as a father. So there's a biblical precedent for this. Even Joseph, you know, the father of Jesus, not physically the father of Jesus, um, but he served as a father and served that. And so it's good to notice and to recognize that today. And also to recognize as well that there's some men in here that have tried to have children or are trying to have children, and they just can't. And, and that's sad, but they are fathers as well. They serve as fathers. They probably have father attributes. And it's good to acknowledge them and say Happy Father's Day to them as well. Now, I love Father's Day. Um, not because it's a Christian holiday, because it isn't. Um, but the fact is, it's almost that reminder to actually appreciate our fathers. Um, you know, it's like, oh, we, we shouldn't have, the, have to have a reminder to appreciate our fathers. We should be doing that all the time. But it's that reminder to appreciate our fathers for what they have sacrificed and what they have done for us. But so often, I think, on Father's Day, we get caught up by giving them a gift. And a gift in terms of possession. We've got some possessions up here, the surfboards, max tracks, um, this little random bicycle that I don't think a father could ride. Um, Woz can. Woz will do it after the service. Um, but we so often get caught up in Father's Day of going, what gift or what possession or what thing can I give my dad? And what thing? And it's like we almost get in this mindset, um, which consumerism and everything that is built into our world tells us and feeds us and, and that sort of thing. Of that, I, I, I need to get something for my father. And I think so often we, we miss the point of, hey, actually Father's Day, instead of spending a lot of time, spending time on messages on Facebook, I know that our family did a bit of going, what do we get? What do we get? It's like, what can we do for our father? What can we do to serve him? What can we do to demonstrate our love to him? Some, some people demonstrate love through gifts, but not everybody does. And so we don't have to get a gift. I was driving home from Bible College on Wednesday on Sanford Road, and there's an electronic billboard um, that catches my, my eye all the time. That's obviously why people advertise on it. Um, and what caught my eye was the new Baconator Hungry Jacks burger. 
It was on the billboard. Uh, and the next, the next slide, though, was a BCF ad. And so it had a big BCF logo at Father's Day under the bottom. And it said, how deep is your love? With a question mark. And it just left it at that. And I was like, is that what Father's Day is about? Is that what we should be doing or we should be thinking about Father's Day? Is that if, if my love is deep for my father, if I love him so much, I should go to BCF, I should get him something and give it to him and spend money on it. I'm going, is, is that all it's about? Because that's the messages that we get fed. That's the, you know, all the catalogs that we get fed at Father's Day. It's like, get him this, get him that, get him that. And it's good to give him gifts, but it's not, let's not spend all our time and all our focus on that because that's what the media, that's what the advertising is telling us. But I want to speak in and talk about what, what does the kingdom of God Tell us about Father's Day. What can we do with this kingdom of God mindset and this kingdom of God view in Father's Day? And before I do that, I'm going to read Mark chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to it, Mark chapter 10, we'll have it on the screen, verse 17. And mine titles it, The Rich and the Kingdom of God. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again. Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last first. I think it's good as we get to this passage, and obviously it specifically doesn't address fathers, 
Um, but I was reading this passage a few weeks ago, knowing that I've, I've got this message coming up and just looking it through the Father's Day lens. And as a father and going, what, what, is that? what does this mean? What does this mean for fathers? What does this mean for others? To hear this message, receive it. And I got caught up on these possessions. Is that so much of Father's Day is all these possessions? And I'm looking at this and the rich man who had everything was called to give it up. One thing we don't often speak of is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is mentioned so much through the Bible. Mark often mentions it a lot. The kingdom of God, Luke also mentions to the fact. But we often don't understand exactly what the kingdom of God is. So I've got a couple of passages here to help us understand and break down what the kingdom of God is. The first one is from Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And it says, the time has come. Jesus is saying these words. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Luke 19, 11 says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. And there's also in this desire for eternal life, that this rich man wanted to enter this kingdom of God. And so as we're looking at the kingdom of God, okay, there's, there's, a, there's almost two aspects of it. Because both those Paris passages seem to contradict itself, but it doesn't. Because it says the kingdom of God is near, meaning that it's kind of starting very soon, or right now, but then the kingdom of God will begin later. And so when we're looking at this kingdom, there's actually two aspects to it. That there's a kingdom of God that we live in as believers, live in and function in now. It is not the perfect, it is not the full scope of the kingdom, but it's a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is once we reach eternity, once we reach eternal life. And we function and we're called to as Christians that once we believe, once we accept Jesus, to step into that kingdom. We don't just stop with Jesus. We don't we just stop with salvation. But we step into this kingdom, though imperfect and broken still, we step into this kingdom and function in this kingdom of God that is not perfect. But then the other aspect of the kingdom of God is that we step in is eternal life. After we pass, for those that have believed and accepted, they enter this kingdom of God that is perfect that has the full aspects, that has the full promises of that, what Jesus has, that has full healing, full everything that Jesus has promised in the world. And in these both kingdoms of God, both here on earth and in heaven, we know that God, the Father, is Lord of these kingdoms. That God who describes himself as a Father so that we can understand some of what that means and our relationship as members of the kingdom of God could be. So if you have accepted Jesus, if you have moved from that position to um, living for yourself and moving into accepting Jesus, you're called to step into this kingdom of God. And as stepping in this kingdom of God, we're actually called to have God as our Father, as Lord, and function with Him as our Father. So we have a heavenly Father. Some of us do. Not all of us do, but we have, as everyone, as every member in the kingdom of God, 
has God the Father who functions in that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But God uses this analogy of Father to really describe his character and also the character of Jesus. And I've got two passages up there to describe that. And as 1 Corinthians 8, 6 is the first one, yet there is but one God, the Father, whom all things came from and whom we live. But there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, whom all things came from and whom to whom we live. So God here is mentioned as the Father of this kingdom. And in Isaiah 9, 6, we see a promise that for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we see that as we're functioning in this kingdom of God, that both God the Father is our Father, but then Jesus is considered this everlasting Father. And so those as fathers in this place, as fathers who operate in this kingdom, they're our examples. They're our examples of what the perfect Father would look like. They're our examples of what we are called to strive to and to live for. And I think as residents of the kingdom, if we're missing a great opportunity on Father's Day, sometimes to demonstrate the kingdom of God and demonstrate what a real father is. If we're just focusing on giving gifts, if we're just focusing on giving possessions, and, and that's it, we're missing this opportunity that as believers, we can actually share this message of what a true father can be like and what a true father can can act like and being this in the world not just in our church community but being this in the world and acting like true fathers and so there's one aspect that we're going to look at and this rich man demonstrates it so well this rich man in the passage he comes up we don't know if he's a father it's quite likely he is a father but we know that he's rich we know that he is followed all the commands that Jesus had given, that the law had given. And as he comes to Jesus to seek this eternal life, to seek this entrance into the kingdom of God, Jesus goes, there's one thing you lack. I love that part. I'd love to be there as Jesus said that. Because he looked at him and loved him, the passage says. What does that look like? What does it look like that Mark's recording this, um, most likely from somebody else's description, and, and it's like he looked at him and loved him. What does that look like? Maybe you've seen your dad look at you in that way. Maybe in correction, maybe it's his stern look that's actually a stern, loving look. It's like son or daughter, I love you, but you need to put that blowtorch down. You know, it's that loving, it's almost that protecting look that I, I, I want you to come near to me, but there's something that is getting in the way. There's something you lack. And then Jesus, knowing all things, being taught by the Father and submitting himself to the Father, mentions to this man what it is. And this is not specific 
for everyone. And so as we read this passage, we know that this is specific for this man. And says, there's one thing you lack. And what he lacked was giving up these possessions. Giving up the things. These things that he, he held on to. These things that were getting in the way that he didn't want to give up. He didn't want to surrender. And he just couldn't. He just physically couldn't come and surrender these things in front of Jesus at his knees and follow him. And as they're almost like debriefing with the disciples afterwards, Jesus says, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? He asks this question. Jesus knows the question. He knows the answer. How hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? And then he has to say it twice because it seems like they're not getting the point and not listening. It says, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? And then use it as an example of something that is physically impossible to do for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. And so he paints this picture of this. It's actually impossible to go enter the kingdom of God. It's actually impossible. It's actually nothing we can do to enter the kingdom of God. There's nothing we can do to find salvation, to be saved, and to receive eternal life in heaven. And so this man, it seems like he was trying to do stuff to achieve salvation. He was trying to do stuff to achieve eternal life. But he was looking for more, though. There was a sense in him that he didn't know everything. That's why he approached Jesus. And then Jesus looked at him and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So this man lacked something. And I think as we look at this one thing you lack, is something that as we come to Jesus... I think he would go around to each and every one of us and go, there's one thing you lack. You know, before we came to know Jesus, and for those who haven't accepted Jesus yet and are here, we love you, and it's great that you're here. And there's one thing you lack. And as fathers, we almost feel like there's a lot of things we lack. And as a young father, I'm constantly knowing that every single day. There's, there's something I lack. And as I grow, and as years go by, there'll be more and more things, and there'll be a list compiling of things that I lack. Um, but to enter the kingdom of God, I think there's almost this, this one big thing. And I think there's one big thing that gets in the way of us. If you know me closely, I'm a little bit stubborn. And I know this, not because most of you have told me that, but because my wife has told me this that I'm stubborn, you know? I'm a little bit pig-headed, I'm a little bit focused, and I'm a little bit driven to something. And I lack sometimes this humility, and my wife tells me that. But sometimes that, that is good, sometimes that's bad. But I definitely lack this humble heartness. But that's not what they're looking at here. It's not this stubbornness. It plays into it here. But I think there's one thing more that this, person, that this man lacks. And I think it's surrender. 
This man lacks the ability to surrender up his wealth. This man lacks the ability to surrender. And I think eternal life, the ability to move from our old life through the salvation of Jesus into the kingdom of God, it requires surrender. This eternal life that this man was asking for requires surrender. And that surrender is actually different for everyone. For this man, it was wealth. For you, it may be wealth. It may be your life plans and goals. You may have this huge plan that you have for your life that you're going to do this, you're going to get married here, you're going to go there, we're going to do this big trip and, and that sort of thing. And, and that's something you lack is actually surrendering those goals and life plans to Jesus. As a disciple, we see the examples down here in verses 28 and 31 that some people lack giving up their home, giving up their brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and fields, which in this case, I think is best translated as their income. They lack giving up their income for Jesus and the gospel. And if we lack giving up these things, if we lack stepping into this kingdom of God, we will fail to receive more in this age. We just, we won't receive it. But Jesus will actually. If we actually take that step, if we actually take that step of surrender into Jesus, he will give us more. He will give us more in this age, in this kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God to come. He says a hundred times more, so much more than we can even imagine. Now, this isn't prosperity. This isn't going that you go into Jesus and you, you, just, you just get everything. You get this you know, skateboard thing. You get the fire pit. You even get the tent if you follow Jesus. That's not what it's about. You know, Jesus is actually giving more of what we need he even gives us what we want sometimes. But he'll give us more than we can ever imagine as residents of the kingdom of God. And I think that's the key. That eternal life requires surrender. And once we hit that point of surrender and enter the kingdom of God and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior as we come to his knees, we're able to step into this. And as fathers and men, this surrender, we can even lack surrender once we're in the kingdom of God. You know, we almost lack it as a coming in, but, but once we've entered into that surrender of God, those who have accepted Jesus and are in the kingdom, there's things that we lack. And sometimes we lack in this surrender. But we seem to have an extra responsibility that the Bible puts on fathers. It's almost this extra responsibility that, that mothers get this high level of responsibility, but then it's fathers or leaders or leaders of the household also get this extra mention. Not because they're special, not because we're, we're more enlightened or anything like that, almost more sinful. But we have this responsibility. If we're going to influence this generation, 
if we're going to influence our children, if we're going to influence people, to model this surrender, to model this surrender that Jesus modeled to us, to our children, and to those that we influence. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. There's so many passages there that I could have used for just fathers. This is what we're called to do. And on Father's Day, I think we have a responsibility to step up and actually fall to our knees in surrender and be who God has designed us to be. Which is not the typical stereotypical father that our society puts on. You know, maybe it's the macho handlebar mustache. Maybe not the handlebar mustache. You know, cricket player or um, sportsman or... It's who God has designed you to be, specifically as a dad, as a father. And the best space is that, is on our knees in surrender. Surrender to Jesus and living in the kingdom of God. And that's our example. Mark 14 paints this picture of Jesus as our father and our example perfectly as Jesus is actually about to surrender his life. Verse 35 says, as he's going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass him. Abba, Father. He's crying out to his dad. Crying out saying, Daddy. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And following that, Jesus gave up his life for us. Jesus gave up his life in surrender and as our example for us. And we can model this surrender. You have the opportunity to model that surrender for everyone, for the next generation. And if you're a dad here, or desire to be a dad at some stage, I'd actually like to See, if, if, if God has spurred you on, if God has spurred you on in this surrender, if God has been prompting you to surrender to Jesus, maybe at some stage of your life or maybe tonight, I'd like you to actually come up to the front. I'd like you to step up. You have an opportunity now. And I'd love to pray for you. And we're going to actually take a time out of the service. And we're actually going to, if you want to come to the front and... Let's get some men around them to actually pray for them. For those that actually want to be on their knees 
in surrender to Jesus and model and be that example for him. So as I pray, if you want to come down to the front so we can lay hands on you and pray. Lord, I just thank you for this model. Lord, I thank you for this model of surrender that you have for us. To be whole that we can be. Lord, help us as followers of you. Lord, help us as people who are discovering about you to discover this surrender, to discover this moment in which we can come to you and be on our knees in surrender. Amen. So if you want to do that, I know it's, it's a bit hard sometimes to, to actually step up and do that, uh, but the band's just going to play a little bit of music. If you want to stand up, if you actually want to surrender to Jesus, now this is not for the first time, this is just actually declaring and saying, yeah, I want to be a dad who, who's on my knees, praying and surrendering to Jesus our Father.